Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Guy Drew Mahomes, and today, well, we took a little bit of a vacation here and kind of let the rest of the climbing the pocket team handle draft draft season here. But we wanted to jump in, um, make a couple points, discuss uh, that number one over that number one pick in the first round that the Vikings have. Um, go through a few other things as well, as, you know, including Quasi's tendencies and things that we just simply don't know a whole lot about. Um, this is going to be a draft that's very exciting for Vikings fans for a number of reasons. First and foremost, because after free agency, it looks like this team might actually have a chance to contend. Um, we could talk, you know, some of that is, of course, what the Packers have done this offseason as well. But the Vikings have a very real shot here if they're able to connect in a couple of these rookie players. And we'll talk a little bit about that and just kind of the overall nature of this particular draft. I mean, I feel like as a Vikings fan, I've been watching Rick Spielman draft for 15 years now, I believe, since the Triangle of Authority started. Um, and we get something fresh now completely new perspective. So we'll talk a little bit about Kwesi and what he did in Cleveland and some of the tendencies that we might get from him this time around. But uh, yeah, kind of just a draft primer from us. Before we do that, the real draft primer, folks, um, will be held at Lake Monster Brewing. That's on April 29th on Friday. Uh, coming up quick here. Honestly, came a lot faster than I thought. Um, our guys on the team will be doing a three-day event of live coverage. Uh, you can see on the Climb in the Pocket Twitter right now that they've got people from our team across the board, at least three guys in every time slot from 7 p.m. on Thursday all the way through 5 p.m. on Saturday. So we got you covered for the draft for sure, even if Drew and myself have not done the best of jobs doing that with our podcast as of late. Uh, but everyone from Tyler and the rest of the team will be on board with doing the draft. Um, come on down to Lake Monster. Um, join the team. They'll have some giveaways. Um, Obviously, amazing beer down at Lake Monster, and then you can have an opportunity to, you know, meet, hang out, and just have a good time. So that's April 29th, Friday, from 5.30 to 10 p.m. at Lake Monster Brewing. Make sure to check that out. All right, let's jump in here with the Vikings draft. Like I said, we, Drew and I have not done a whole lot of coverage here, and that's because that's not exactly our forte. That's not what they're paying us the big bucks for. Um, <laughs> I have to laugh at that. Um, but... Uh, we do have opinions, as does everyone here. 
And the Vikings are in a very interesting position this year, as I mentioned during the introduction here. Uh, new GM, new front office, rebuilt squad. Uh, and they're still looking to contend by all means, right? By all accounts from everything we've seen this offseason, the Vikings are looking to attack. Um, and the opportunity is going to be there with Chicago in full rebuild mode, the Lions being the Lions, Green Bay losing Devontae Adams. The Vikings bringing in a couple of priority guys, specifically Zadaria Smith. Kirk Cousins, of course, is returning. The Vikings have a boatload of potential. Um, it's just we as fans have seen it be unrealized potential for so long now that I think some of us are still a little bit pessimistic, myself included. But that being said, if the Vikings are able to connect on one or two of their picks, it doesn't even necessarily need to be in the first round. Uh, get a couple starters in there that can be important role players in their first season. The Vikings have a real chance here to dethrone the Green Bay Packers. So the first question on my head that I'm sure everyone's thinking about all the time is what do the Vikings need to do? And that's a very open-ended question here. And I don't think there is just one answer. But when you have a top 15 draft selection, and you have an opportunity to rebuild defense with the type of prospects that are going to be available to this team. The question really boils down to, do you take a guy at number 12, or do you try to solidify one of your holes? Uh, interior offensive line, cornerback is an obvious one. What, I, I guess what would you say? You know, just, just without any backing of statistics, without any analytics, without any real diagnosis here, what does your mind's eye tell you that the Vikings should be leaning towards this draft season? Yeah, well, I think I'm, I'm with everybody that kind of looks at the roster breakdown. You see cornerback as a glaring issue. Um, it, it's not hard to kind of put that position under the microscope a little bit. And you see Patrick Peterson there. And then after that, you kind of don't see a whole lot that you can trust. Uh, and right. so I think that's where the problem at the Vikings have put themselves into already um, is, you know, they are not probably, I mean, with cornerback position, you rarely get a guy that, can contribute right away, like meaningful snaps. Right. Vikings have seen that the last couple of years drafting themselves. Um, <laughs> so that's, it's already a problem, but even looking down the future, you got to take a chance on somebody. So I think that's where the conversations, um, you know, of Stingley have come up quite a bit and he's been linked to the Vikings a ton. Vikings fans seem to kind of really like him as an option. There's obviously the LSU connection there as well throughout the right. entire defensive side of the ball. It seems like between Hunter, between Peterson. Uh, and so that, I mean, that's going to be the favorite, I think. Um, but I, I, I am still in on, I kind of had, had this stance last year. Um, and I still kind of feel that way about it too. The wide receiver position is a sneaky one that I think the Vikings should also target uh, just given the way things are in the league right now. Um, with how much receivers are getting paid. You're seeing quarterbacks and wide receivers get big deals. Um, and then, I mean, uh, we hate to say it, we don't want to admit it, but there is that possibility Jefferson uh, leaves in a couple of years or at least, you know, two, three years and that his deal is up, right? And you still want to have a viable option there. And at that point too, probably Thielen will not be the player uh, he is now, right? So right. you have to have that option there. That, and that's a position you always want to be thinking ahead on, kind of like cornerback, where you need to have elite players there to compete. And so I am good with a lot of these, um, the ton of prospects. Olave is one that's probably going to be available at 12 uh, that I like a lot. So I wouldn't mind that option either. So really cornerback or receiver, you get those athletes. I think that's who you target with that number 12 spot 
should the Vikings stay there? Yeah, and that's that's the big question is whether or not the Vikings should stay there. I don't think there is a definitive answer, but there's so many different ties to what the Vikings do. And I think you bring up a really good point here, whereas that draft strategy has kind of evolved into being a singular focus alongside salary cap strategy in the last three, four, five years or so. As players have begun to make bigger chunks of the salary cap, you know, cap hits are hitting that 30% mark, which is ridiculous, by the way. Um, you have to sort of be a little, you have to have a little finesse with your draft strategy in that you're not just trying to draft the best overall player. You're not just trying to draft a player that fits a need of yours. You're also trying to draft a player that's going to provide long-term value at a financial discount. And that's why we, I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast. I'm sure everyone and their mothers have heard, have heard people talk about the idea of drafting a rookie quarterback and get, building a team around him within those first four years with that fifth-year option. Try to get something done in that time period. That's how you build your rosters without that huge salary cap hit for quarterbacks. What Drew's bringing up now is that the wide receiver position is becoming arguably as big of a problem in that regard. Uh, you see the paycheck that Devontae Adams just got. Of course, the trade to Miami and the kind of the forced split up of the Kansas City Chiefs because of the amount of money that Tyreek Hill is being paid. I mean, yes, do these teams have options? Of course. But do they want to lose their number one target? They're arguably the best player on these rosters to some degree outside of Rodgers and Mahomes. And there's going to be others as well. It's not just these two players. I mean, we've heard the talks with Stephon Diggs. He ultimately got the deal and stays in Buffalo. That's one outcome, and that's probably the preferred outcome. But let's be real here. Jefferson could be the opposite outcome, regardless of how well the Vikings do. And if the Vikings aren't contenders this year and not contenders the years after that, it's that much more likely that a guy like Jefferson is going to move on. So having a backup plan, is probably the smart decision. I don't necessarily know if it needs to be done in the first round, but if there's a guy there, you know, you've got these different schools of thought all contributing into what you're going to do with your draft pick in the first round. The obvious one that fits all the bills that Drew's mentioned is Derek Stingham. And of course, you've also got Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati, who if he's there, which it doesn't sound like he's going to be, um, he would also fit the bill as well. But you've got some other players that have been connected to the Vikings. I know Andrew Booth from Clemson has been mentioned there. Trent McDuffie, who's a little bit undersized. I know that there's at least one guy on our team who doesn't like the size of his arms, which is interesting. But in the grand scheme of things, we have seen projected numbers that suggest that smaller arms equals that worst play from the cornerback position. So a lot of factors there, Stingley being the obvious one. Now, you could also go wide receiver, as Drew mentioned. Chris Olave is a great route runner. Looks like he's going to be, what, the second, probably the third or fourth wide receiver taken based off of, you know, quote, expert analysis on the draft. So he's probably going to be there as well. That's going to be an option. The other option that I wanted to talk about was the safety position and Kyle Hamilton specifically, because I don't necessarily think the Vikings have a drastic need at safety right now. They will next year and probably the following year, but as of this season, they should be okay. Keeping in mind, of course, that Harrison Smith is probably going to be Harrison Smith again, a little bit of a dumbed down version from that peak 2017 year, but he's still going to be good. And you do lose your other guy stop starting opposite him to the Carolina Panthers this offseason. So you've got a hole there that you could, in theory, fill with one of the press players that you drafted the last couple of years. I know that Cameron Bynum is probably going to be the favorite for that position if you don't draft someone else. But Kyle Hamilton is one that really sticks out. The reason why I want to have this discussion is because Hamilton has been consensus top three overall talent 
for seemingly a year and a half, maybe two years. And when he came out in this draft class, people were saying, this is a guy that you reach for, um, say in the same way that people have reached for, you know, Kyle Pitts at the tight end position, which is not typically something that goes top five. People have been connecting the dots and saying, this guy should go top five, but now his positional value and also the numbers that he put up at the combine are in theory weighing him down a little bit to the point where he might slip to number 12. So the discussion has become, if Derek Stingley is sitting there with his injury, right? Stingley coming off of an injury that has, in theory, derailed cornerback careers, uh, still been very good, still very young, a lot of time to progress. And Hamilton, with the question marks that are more, that are less about what the film says, because he's actually been on the field and plays a position of, that we've seen for the Vikings has been a position of need, whether it's Harrison Smith or someone else. What do you do there? Do you think long-term value in a guy like Kyle Ham- Hamilton and taking a guy that's fallen way below what many project his draft position should be? Or do you take Stingley and take a bit of a gamble on the health, right? You trust your doctors on your team, of course, but a little bit of a gamble on his health, a little bit of gamble on the younger side probably means he's probably not going to be a stud his rookie season. Or do you go with the more stabilizing force? I mean, what do you do in a position where both these guys are sitting right in front of you and the Vikings could use one or either of them at the very earliest by next year? Well, I know what Rick Spielman would do. He would trade down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. But I, and that's the, the, the other fascinating aspect of this draft is it's going to be completely different. You would think um, just, I mean, Vikings probably won't hoard seventh round picks again this year as they have every year in the past. So, uh, you know, you bring up a good point and I think that's where a lot of the, you know, you'll get the analytics based positional value ranking versus pure football playing, right. not able to see on a stat sheet type of, uh, approach, you know, with, with Hamilton. So that's thing about Hamilton is he'll be able to play multiple positions. You know, we talk about playing up at the line of scrimmage, talk about playing back, you know, type of that Harrison Smith type stuff. He is like that, Harrison Smith in a right. lot of ways, literally from yeah. the same school. Right. Right. But you, then you get Stingley and, and I, there's so much potential there. He showed in, you know, at LSU prior to kind of the injury concerns. So there's, I, I, I kind of am one of those people that, you know, heavily weighs positional value. Um, I know Hamilton's got the versatility and uh, could be, a, will be a force probably in the league, but I guess I lean Stingley there and take the risk on the injury just because I think if you get a, you know, you know, franchise cornerback, if you will, a guy that can, you know, lock down one side of the field, that's game changing for the NFL today. I mean, you see with the Rams, I mean, teams aren't throwing on Jalen Ramsey right now because he he's shutting Definitely. it down. So, right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's also this point too, and this is based off of my, there's nothing constructive based concrete based on this. Right. But the trend that we've seen in the past is that when you start, when one position goes up in value, it's corresponding position tends to go up in value as well. Right. So if you think about the quarterback position when all these quarterbacks started getting $30 million deals, high percentage of guaranteed money, what was the answer? Well, a lot of people started paying edge rushers a shitload of money. TJ Watt getting a huge contract. I mean, Daniel Hunter's contract at the time, it looks like a steal now, but he got paid a ton of money early on in his career. Uh, Plenty of other examples of teams overcompensating for needing to stop a quarterback. Now, wide receivers are getting paid a ton of money. And cornerback, in theory, is probably the next one, right? I mean, if you're going to try to lock down Devontae Adams, 
and you got you're negotiating against Jalen Ramsey and his agent, what is he gonna say? Well, if Adams is getting paid thirty million dollars a year, you better give me thirty million to stop him. If you think I'm the only guy in the league that can stop him, I'm worth that much money. So, in a sense, right? Like if we're thinking that wide receiver contracts are on their way up and up, cornerback contracts are probably not too far to follow, in my eyes. Again, not based off of anything specifically. There's no report on that. There's no. Yeah. I mean, we just saw a deal get done for 105 million or 100.5 million. Uh, for the the quarterback in Cleveland, you know, I, I don't think it's something that's going to be happening immediately, but it's something to consider that these rookie cornerbacks are going to have contract value as well pretty soon. Right? So I I personally lean Stingley in, in this debate. Um, you guys know from if you've listened to us talk for a long time that I prefer the cornerback position over just about anything. Um, and I've actually been on board with Mike Zimmer in that regard for a long time, that it's worth taking a player at that position in the first round, especially if you can get tremendous value. And you throw in the fact that Stingley's freshman year, true freshman year, by the way, at LSU was one of the historically greatest freshman seasons of any cornerback of all time. Um, Not only did they win it all, but he was a key factor on that team, causing turnovers, lockdown coverage, man-to-man press, outside, inside. I mean, the guy did it all when he was 19 years old. And while the injury is concerning, I think that Nick Olson on our team brought up a really good point that whatever the Vikings doctors say on Derek Stingley, that's what I say too. I'm, I'm with the Vikings doctors. They have, in theory, just brought over the very best medical staff on the planet relative to the NFL. I think that, that has been keeping guys healthy at the highest percentage mark over the last three years. If the Vikings staff looks at Derek Stingley and they're like, you know what, you're good to go. I don't see any long-term concern. That's the guy I'm taking. I'm not trading back mm-hmm. because he's had tremendous value literally since he was 19. And it's just, it's an injury concern right now. And yes, injuries are very problematic. They throw a wrench into your plans all the time. We saw that happen with Sharif Floyd. We've seen it happen with Dante Culpepper. We've seen it happen with tons of players throughout Vikings history. But we've also seen the latter where you got Adrian Peterson at number seven overall because he broke his collarbone, goes on to be the, be- the best rusher in, in Vikings history and one of the best rushers in NFL history. So I don't know. Is there a right answer? Again, I started the entire conversation here by saying I don't think that there is a right answer. But when you look at the value that the cornerback position provides, when you look at all of the, the nuances, Patrick Peterson being around to, in theory, work with a younger cornerback and teach him how to you know, play from a fundamental standpoint and not just use his athleticism to, get, to gain an advantage, when you look at the LSU guys on the staff, both in the coaching and as well as on the roster itself, I mean, the dots seem to all align for Derek Stingley to be a Viking. Hell, he wore purple and gold last year. So I think it makes a lot of logical sense to take him there. But I'm not going to complain if the Vikings go elsewhere. I, I, I think that there is room to trade back, mm-hmm. especially if you like multiple guys. Like, let's say Chris Olave, Derek Stingley, Kyle Hamilton all sitting there at 12, and you can get number 14. I don't know which team holds 14 right now, but you can get number 14 to move down two spots and pick up a third-round pick in between. I'm not going to hate on that, right? If you don't get Stingley or Olave, then you end up with Kyle Hamilton at 14. That's tremendous value. I'm definitely on board with that type of thinking as well. But- so who to – okay, how about this? Who do you trade up for? Let's say – because I've seen some talk. I think Paul Allen teased it on – K fan this week, something about the Vikings could move up from 12 to four, you know, 
I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but who's I mean, it's uh, right. And that's kind of where I was going to ask you, like, who, who's the guy the Vikings move up for in that scenario? Because to your point, like if that's a move that the Vikings are going to make, you know, it shows some aggression, but clearly there is a premier player that they think they can, that can contribute right now. So that's a tough is question. That, is, is that sauce Gardner? I mean, because is he going to, he could go, I mean, there's, top five type of discussion on him as well. So he, he's the most interesting one, I think because of the volatility of his draft status, because first of all, he's a cornerback cornerbacks typically don't take, get taken top five. So if he does go out and do that, someone must think he's very, very special. Just a simple history, history based off of what the NFL has done. Uh, the other piece with Gardner is that a lot of his, what has made him boom, this draft season is his personality and the fact that he's in the news all the time, shockingly out of Cincinnati. Uh, I think that his testing scores are really good. I think his film is tremendous. And I think the fact that he's gotten, you know, veteran players who have spoken to his name, like Richard Sherman, for example, and been like, this guy's going to be really good. That helps put a seed in the mind of a front office. So I do have inherent questions of, okay, are we talking about Ahmad Gardner that we saw in film at Cincinnati? Or are we talking about Sauce Gardner who's becoming a superstar before he even gets to the NFL? I don't know. So he's a very interesting player. I probably would not trade up for Sauce Gardner because you could get Stingley, McDuffie, one of these other so guys. So you see those guys as, I mean, not on the same tier, but it's not worth that. You know, yes. multiple pick jump up. That's what I, you see. know, five yeah. spots or whatever it would be to go get. Because sauce. the compensation would end up being, if you were to move from 12 to four, you probably lose a first next year or, a, or a second this year. It's one of those two things. And I think the Vikings need multiple players. So I'm not in the camp that wants to trade up unless, unless you're going to trade up for a quarterback. And I don't see the Vikings doing it. And I, and to be honest with you, Malik Willis is the only one that I would trade up for. Um, anyone else, I think that you just take him at whatever value you can. I I just don't see it this year. Yeah. Really, I, if if Kayvon, if Kayvon Thibodeau slides, that's another good question because this is a guy that has been a consensus number one overall pick. And we were talking about Stingley being a consensus like top 10, top 15 talent for three years. Kayvon Thibodeau has literally been the consensus number one overall pick until draft and, season actually hit. Yeah. Until what? A couple months ago or yeah. three months ago, you know, So if a guy like he slides, especially when you're moving to a three, four and you got that bigger frame, six, four, two fifty four, he seems to make a lot more sense in a three, four defense. And he could be a catalyst in your defense. That might be the only guy I would trade up for. If he, if, if Thibodeau slides to like eight, I'd be interested in moving up four spots to get a guy like that. But other than that, Malik Willis, which I, 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 there's nothing, no part of me that believes the Vikings can trade up for a quarterback after what they've done this offseason. Malik Willis, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think those are the only two that I would actually right. trade. Yeah, I, that's a piece I didn't even, we could it'd be a whole, we could do a whole podcast on quarterback. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, like, we don't need to because we re signed Kirk. Right, right. But we could do, I mean, even there's the whole value of the quarterback position and the need for that now because we, we spent a lot of time already talking about positional value and cornerback and stuff, but. Um, so there's, and you're, I think you're right. I, I kind of agree with both your assessment on Thibodeau. Uh, and then also sauce, I think, you know, it's, it would be ambitious and kind of a risky move in, in a way too, if I'm, if, I, if you're crazy, right. To kind of 
make that trade up in your first draft. You're putting a lot of eggs in, in one player's basket. And I don't see him making that move. He's been very conservative thus far in his approach overall. So I wouldn't see, I don't see that up his sleeve. I see if anything, uh, maybe more trading down to accumulate picks. Um, because I think, you know, uh, people think Rick uh, of Spielman as this kind of guy that's always trading down, trading down. Uh, but he did trade up uh, to acquire multiple first round picks. I think was that three years in a row he did that, 2012, 2013, 2014. Every Simply every year he had into the first round. He loved to yeah, do that too. Exactly. He had yeah because Harrison Smith was one of those picks. I believe Cordero Patterson or maybe he was from the Percy trade. But then they had three Floyd oh, and Xavier Rhodes. Rhodes in that draft. Yep. And then the following year was Anthony Barr and Teddy Bridgewater. So he's he did both. Uh, and so. I, you know, maybe that's one of the things that the Vikings will do. I mean, if there's a first round talent at the end of the draft or the, or the first round, you know, maybe it's pick 12 and pick 28 or whatever. Um, you know, maybe Quasi goes that route, but I, I think Stingley, you know, you're hearing a lot of the same chatter, I'm sure on the other shows you listen to re- related to the Vikings, but it seems like Stingley is the guy that we like the best here, at least for the first round. Uh, but again, I, I do not want the Vikings to sleep on the wide receiver position. I want them to address it and bring in. So, I mean, in the first three rounds, I think you got to go grab a wide receiver. Just give where the Vikings are at that position right now. Aging Thielen, Jefferson, obviously a superstar, a top two player, but in a few years might be gone. KJ Osborne, solid productive player. Um, still a little bit uncertain about his long-term status, right? So you kind of need that another guy. Because you look around the league, wide receivers are, are making offenses run right now. Uh, so I think that's one that they can't sleep on. Absolutely. So cornerback, you've identified cornerback, you've identified wide receiver. Um, those are potential one and two picks. You've also got a third round selection. Vikings, by the way, uh, yeah. this, this season, no fourth round pick, but they got two, three sixes and a seven and a five as well, in addition to those one, two, and three picks. Um, historically speaking, the Cleveland Browns, or I guess the Quasi. Uh, the closest thing that we can get to what Quasey was operating at under Andrew Barry, they have not been the type of team to trade up for a lot of, or excuse me, trade down to accumulate a lot of picks. Last couple of years, basically the status quo, moving around in the middle rounds a little bit. They had a couple fives last year and a couple fours. The year before that, of course, they didn't even have the first round pick. They drafted Greedy Williams with their number two, with their first overall selection in the second round. Uh, so, I don't think this. I don't think we're going to see the wheeling and dealing slick Rick type stuff that we're going to see that we have seen in the past. Uh, I think that part might be dead. That being said, the Vikings do have the ability here to move around a little bit in the middle rounds. I don't see them doing anything on day one unless it might be to get back into the first round just to acquire that fifth year option, which is a staple of basically every GM strategy. Is that if you really like a guy and you're see him there at 29, 30, 31, or 32, and you know that financially speaking, you can get this guy under contract for an extra year at a team option. That's one thing I could potentially see this Quasi-led front office do. But outside of that, I mean, trading down maybe, but I don't, I just don't really see it. But from what I've seen, and it could be more Andrew Barry than Quasi, it's more been about using a collection of picks to get one guy as opposed to using one pick to get a collection of picks. It's been more the, and it's probably where some of that trade up talk has came from is that that's what the Browns have done recently. And of course, Andrew Barry just made that huge deal for Deshaun Watson, basically saying screw those picks. Right. So 
I don't really think that Quasi operates in that same way. But there's nothing, there's no concrete evidence to suggest he does anything other than what Andrew Barry is. And that's what makes this draft so much fun to me is that while you might still get a cornerback draft in the first round, like we've been seeing for about a decade now, on and off, you're probably going to see some new nuances in style, in, in approach. And it's more calculated in terms of what the, what the analytic risk is of taking a guy, which knocks the Derek Stingley claim for what it's worth. So, I, again, I don't know if there is a right answer, and that's kind of a good spot to be in because ultimately this, dra- or excuse me, this podcast has always sort of lean, lean best player available as opposed to drafting a position of need and just trying to fill a hole overnight, especially at specific positions like cornerback and quarterback, which let's just be real here. Most of the time it doesn't pan out overnight. Yeah, so, I mean, that's where I kind of fall is I'm best player available of these positions. And it's not even doesn't really have anything to do with Vikings roster breakdown necessarily. It's more of like, here are the most valuable positions in football. These are the positions you need to address first, no matter what the state of your roster is. And I think Stingley kind of meets that criteria right now, given where he'll fall in the draft again, given, uh, you know, what his potential is as a player, uh, despite those injury risks, I think he can be a star star cornerbacks are not easy to find. And I think when you have the chance to potentially grab one like the Vikings do, I think that's a risky take. Is there anyone in this draft class? Let's talk like top 30-ish. Um, mm-hmm. So if the Vikings move down, theoretically speaking, let's cover all our bases here. If the Vikings move down from 12, they move into the middle of the first round and pick up a second round pick or something like that, right? Uh, is there anyone in this class that like that really entices you? Like, is there someone that you're like, you know what? If that guy's there at 18, he's a perfect fit for the Vikings. Or is this basically a top-heavy year where the top 10 guys who have been garnering the most attention in the news, uh, top 10, 15-ish, and then there's everyone else? Or is there someone that's worth banging the table for in the middle of the round if, in the event that you do trade down? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good – I mean, so there's a sneaky one that, that I like. Um, and this – again, this – He's been projected kind of all over the the map a little bit, but Jordan Davis would be kind of fun uh, because, you know, and that's one of those things that in a three, four defense, having that kind of nose tackle, that humongous figure in the middle can be a big benefit and you need one. And the Vikings, they're, they're very set on this position right now. I'm aware of that. Um, But that's Jordan Davis is a fun personality for one. Uh, But I think he has that. He's just, ginormous person and i think that could like make him he's a a crazy athlete so i think there's but he has some serious potential to be like a superstar type player and that's a guy like if 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 maybe he falls a little bit farther than he should right the vikings are trading into the 20s or whatever he's still there like i don't see that happening but in that event i think that would be really fun and i'd be there for it despite again because i do want to emphasize best player available and I want to emphasize fitting in the scheme. And I think he would fit with the new Vikings, new defense. It's funny that you say that because I think the last time the Vikings really needed a cornerback uh, was in 2014. Like obviously they always seem to need a quarterback, but the last time that where it was like a fixture, the same way it is this year with Derek, everyone picking Derek Stingley for the Vikings uh, was in 2014 when the Vikings took Trey Wayne's, um, I believe. Or 15. Anthony, sorry. That was two. I, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the year where the Vikings took Anthony Barr and Teddy mm-hmm. Bridgewater in the first round in 2014. 
That was also the same year that Aaron Donald went, right? Now, the Vikings that season were stacked at defensive tackle, or so we thought, right? The belief was that the Vikings were in a good position at defensive tackle. And Aaron Donald was going to be one of those guys who was going to fall into the middle of the first round because of his size. And I'm, I'm not making – I'm making this comparison from Aaron Donald over to uh, Jordan Davis – because Jordan Davis made the comparison and said that he wants to be like Aaron Donald, he's going to work like Aaron Donald. But my point being here is that the last time that a player like this popped up in the middle of the first round was it turned out to be Aaron Donald. We've seen the career that he has had. And the Vikings passed on him for essentially to fill a position of need. This is linebacker, edge rusher at the time, and Anthony Barr, and then Teddy Bridgewater later in the first round, the quarterback. Vikings could have used it, you know, at that point in the draft, they could have gotten an Aaron Donald in the top 10 right before he was selected by the Rams uh, in the middle of the first round. They opted to go positional need instead. And Anthony Barr has been great. I love Anthony Barr, but he's not Anthony. He's not Aaron Donald <laughs> by, by any stretch of the term. And you kind of, you see the ramifications or the consequences of taking a position of need just to fill that slot, check it off your box and feel like you're going to be good because anything can happen. Like even a guy with a full bill of health can get hurt the first week of training camp. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. that pick looks terrible because you drafted, you know, a position that you needed to fill right now, instead of the best player available, that guy goes on to reserve. All of a sudden people are talking about whoever it is. And part of this is we, me and you are both in the, the frame of mind that the Vikings are, I mean, like you let off the show by kind of saying where the Vikings are in the division and, the prospects of making the playoffs that way, which are, I mean, there's validity to that, right? Like the bears and lions aren't in good shape right now. The Packers are probably going to be a worse football team than they were last year. And so that does provide some opportunity for the Vikings, but I'm also of the belief that this roster is just not ready and is not nearly good enough to compete. And so I hope the, the, the Vikings front office sees that too. And like you're saying right now, doesn't, draft four position for this year when turnover happens so often that, you know, positional needs can change drastically year over year. And so that's where the best player available kind of approach comes in. Absolutely. So something to think about, I mean, Jordan Davis is a lot of fun. I'm glad you brought him up um, because I don't think he has any business with in, the, in connection to the Vikings, just because of what the Vikings have done at the defensive tackle position, the last two free agency periods. But at the same time, I mean, he is, how perfect of a fit could that guy be for a, a three, four unit that's just starting from scratch now? I mean, if you're 345 pounds and you're running, what was it, like a four, seven, five or something from that guy? That's Linville Joseph on steroids. <laughs> that's, in, that's complete insanity, and that fits perfectly with a unit that's going to be running, you know, three, four with two big guys on the edges and then having Daniel Hunter coming off of the edge and having – Essentially, Jordan Davis is both a clogger and a pass rusher. I mean, the fit's really nice, folks. I, I know it's not a need, but the fit is definitely really nice. Um, and it just so happens that you've got a Rams coaching staff here to, to coach him if you were to land here. So, I don't know. I, I like that one. I think that's a good little sneaky pick that would make a lot of sense for the Vikings when everyone's talking about the obvious. I think you're going to continue to hear about the cornerback position. You're going to continue to hear about interior offensive line in the middle of rounds. But as far as drafting the best player available, I mean, there's a couple of these Georgia guys. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not just Jordan Davis. I mean, you got Trayvon Walker who would look nice in purple as well. 
I mean, some of these athletes this year, man, like they don't necessarily have the pedigree that in terms of like production, but the overall ability and the likeness of some superstars in the league right now, like you see people talking about Garrett Wilson from Ohio state. I don't think he's nearly as polished of a player as Chris Olave, who has been mentioned earlier, but the, the ability to translate that skill set to the NFL now seems to fit better than ever. And for that reason, he all ends up jumping over these guys like Drake London and uh, Chris Olave, who have had, you know, a more complete college career, if you will, um, to simplify it, I suppose. So a lot of different ways the Vikings can go. And, and ultimately, I think for me personally, the one thing I don't want is I don't want them to trade up. And that's, you know, coming kind of bring this conversation full circle. You know, you could do just about anything and it's going to be okay, pretty much. Quasi's in a very good position where he can draft whatever and we'll see the results and we'll deal with it down the line. This isn't like a high intensity draft, despite the fact that it is his first one. But if you're able to make a hit here, and it doesn't necessarily need to be in a hit for a position for 2022. If it's a position for 2023, 2024, where this team is more likely to be in a position to contend, that actually makes more sense in my mind. The only thing that the Vikings can't do here is kneecap their future. That's the only thing. And so to me, if you trade up, you put yourself in a position next year where all of a sudden you need, you're going to start thinking about the drafting future a quarterback again. <laughs> the future might be kneecap. Exactly. You might, you, you might want to draft a quarterback next year. I think that's going to be likely based off of what I've seen from Kirk Cousins and based off what I'm expecting from him this year. I think the Vikings will be drafting a, quarter, a quarterback next time. I don't want to try to do that without a first-round pick. That's where I'm at. So don't trade away the don't trade away the future to get a guy that's going to help you right now, just so you can move to ten and six and get a wild card slot and get eliminated in the first round. Right. Try to compete with the Packers this year. Just don't do that. Anything else? You know, in my head, best player available. I mean, I think that Derek Stingley at twelve is very close to the best player available. Anyways, you can kill two birds with one stone in a sense, by getting a cornerback as well and a guy that fits with the LSU staff, Patrick Peterson, and so forth. I think that's great. Hell, I would stick with that plan if that's the plan of the pack. But anything other than kneecapping your future is a win for me. This way. Yeah, I I have nothing else to add. I mean, I'm with you. Because I, I say, well, because I, I feel the same way. Like, you can't put all the, this, this is not a win now team, despite what the team might be telling you. So, I'm all in on not breaking the bank for the future right now. Yeah. That's basically what it comes down to. So we're looking at cornerback, wide receiver. I, hell, if they draft another inside interior offensive lineman, I would be very unhappy as well. Let me yes, add that, that too. That Let too. me add that to my list of things that I do not want to see happen. No interior offensive lineman drafted before 25 overall. If you trade down and you end up like in 26, 27 range, okay, that's fine. Uh, that's fine with me. But nothing in the top 15 for sure. I don't want to hear any grab Derek Bradbury stuff. I don't need any of that post-traumatic stuff coming up uh, for me this draft season. Uh, stick to your guns. I think Quasi's smarter. I don't know. I think Quasi is a hell of a lot smarter than all of us, um, and he's going to contribute. He's going to come take all of this information full circle, and I trust his ability to do a good job in this draft class. The only thing that concerns me is what the what the what up top is telling him. And that's ownership saying, hey, we're going to try to win this year. We're going to try to sell tickets. I think we've already seen that from their approach this offseason. Go up and get the guy that you want. Scratch the future. Just don't do that. Don't do that. And don't take a – oh, 
Let's round it out here. No punters. Do not draft a punter. If I see that, I would be pissed too. So those are my three three keys to victory. Do not trade up and mortgage the future. Do not draft an interior offensive lineman within the first 25 or so picks. And do not draft a punter or a kicker. I will lose my mind. I don't care what anyone else tells you. I like it. Podcast, we do not draft punters. That does not period. So anything else that we did not cover here in this 40 minutes or so of breaking down the draft from a very general angle, right? like I said at the top of the show, the rest of the guys in the climb of the pocket team, this is their shit. They live for this stuff. Listen to them talk about the intricacies of the draft. I mean, one of our own is on ESPN every day <laughs> talking yeah, about you could, it. You could talk to Reed. Yeah, you could listen to Jordan talk about it. I know that he's doing great stuff with Matt Miller at ESPN, too. That's super fun. The rest of the climbing the pocket team, I mean, these guys have been breaking down the draft stuff for the last three weeks where Drew and I have been on our own personal little vac- podcasting vacation. And they've gone through the intricacies of all these little, all these individual players. But I guess from a general vantage point for me, um, it's just more about just keep, keep yourself in line. Don't do anything stupid. That's where I'm at. And you can go to Tyler Furness or the rest of the team um, for your in, for your in-depth preview of what Derek Stingley would look like in press coverage playing opposite of Patrick Peterson. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate you listening to us here. Uh, we'll be back next week, the following week and so forth uh, to go over what the Vikings have done and the the overall <laughs> the overall picture that Quasi is painting uh, for the Vikings' future. We'll see how that goes. But thank you guys for joining us and we'll catch you today's episode is brought to you by cars.com With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.